Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Grace and Truth, a study of the book 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Nick. Lord, we thank you that you love us, and Lord, that you have a plan for us. Lord, that you want to invite us into relationship with you, and that means also being invited into your work. Following you means to have our hearts shaped and become more like you. And so we ask that during this time, as we study your word, you would shape our hearts and minds. Lord, you stir us up, and that you would encourage us, challenge us where we need that. Lord, we ask that you'd speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my wife, Rosemary, grew up in San Diego, and we, all, we have a lot of friends and family who live uh, in Southern California. And the thing about Southern California is that they just have amazing weather. San Diego, I would say, probably has the best weather in the world. Like, for example, today, I looked at the app on my phone. Today here in Longmont, the high is 42 degrees Fahrenheit. It's cloudy. Uh, so 42 and cloudy is, is what we're dealing with here in Longmont. Well, in San Diego today, it is 70 degrees and sunny. Uh, yesterday in San Diego, it was 70 degrees and sunny. Tomorrow uh, in San Diego, it's going to be 70 degrees and sunny. Later on this week, it does change a bit. Uh, on Friday, it's going to be 71 degrees and sunny. And it's kind of like that all the time, right? It's just always, you know, never gets much hotter than that. It doesn't get much colder than that either. Um, and yet, you know what's funny? My friends who live in Southern California often complain to me about the weather in Southern California. Now, they don't complain that the weather's bad, right? They're very much aware that the weather there is, is great. What they complain about is not that the weather's bad. What they complain about is that the weather never changes, right? So there's, a, there's no variety, that's what they don't have. You know, I meet people out there and they're like, oh man, you live in Colorado. That must be amazing. I wish I lived in a place that had four seasons. And I'm like, no, you don't. And they're like, oh, I'm so jealous, right? You get fall. I have to drive four hours to experience fall, right? Well, it's, it's funny because they have the best weather in the world and yet they're jealous of people who live in other places because what they don't have is variety. And one of my friends, he described it like this. He said, you know, it's kind of like a single note on a piano. Even if it's the best note on the entire piano, after a while, if you just keep pushing that one note like over and over and over and over again for every day of your life, it just starts to kind of drive you crazy, right? Even the best weather in the world is, is not good if, that's, if you never have any variety, if you never get anything else. Now, the church in Corinth was kind of like that, and here's why. In 1 Corinthians, right, what we have here before us is a letter which Paul the Apostle wrote to the Christians in the city, the Greek city of Corinth. And in his introduction to this letter in chapter one, he had commended them or complimented the Corinthian Christians on the fact that they abounded in spiritual gifts. And yet, what we're going to see in these next few chapters, in chapter 12, 13, and 14, is that although people in the Corinthian church had spiritual gifts, only a few people were using their spiritual gifts. And for some of them, the fact that they had certain gifts became a source of pride, and it filled them with a sense of arrogance and superiority over others who didn't have the gifts that they had. 
But what we're going to see here in these chapters, in this section, is that every Christian is gifted by God, and what is needed, therefore, is for every member to contribute to the work of God. It's an every member mission, and every member matters. Right? Think about it like on a football team. The quarterback touches the ball on every single play, and yet, no matter how good the quarterback is, if the other players don't do their part, then the team will lose. Every position is needed. Every position matters. In a building like this one, there are parts of the building that you can't see. And there are other parts that you can see. But the part, there are parts that you can't see, and yet if they're not there, and they're not doing their job, then the building will collapse. And in the same way for us as disciples of Jesus, on the one hand, God is calling you into a personal relationship with him. And yet, to be a Christian is not only a personal thing that's just between you and God. To be a Christian is to become part of a family, part of the body, to become a member of a group of people that is bigger than just you, right? It's to become part of the people of God, the people who are being redeemed by Jesus. And we've been given a calling from God to do his work in the world. And in order for that to happen, each of us has a role to play. Now, those roles are going to be different, some will be highly visible. Others might be behind the scenes. But every member matters, and all are called to contribute. You know, like my friends in Southern California would tell you about the weather, even the best weather without any variety is like a single note on a piano. It might be a great note, but in order to make beautiful music, you need more than one note. And that's true for us as well as Christians, as disciples of Jesus in the body of Christ. And so the title of today's message is Using Your Spiritual Gifts to Serve Others. Using Your Spiritual Gifts to Serve Others. And here's what we're going to see in this section, kind of our thesis statement, our takeaway truth, our one-sentence summary. This will be the sentence I'd love for you to write down in your notes and take away with you as you go today so you can remember this thought, which is the summary of what we're going to talk about today. And also, this will function as our outline line for studying this passage. You guys ready? Write it down, take a photo, whatever you got to do. Here it is. The way we serve God and others is by using the gifts God gives us to fulfill the higher calling he has given us in Christ. So let's say it again. The way we serve God and others is by using the gifts God gives us to fulfill the higher calling he has given us in Christ. So let's look at the first part of that sentence as we begin this study. The way we serve God and others. Paul begins this chapter by saying this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And so, to that end, Paul is going to instruct us now in chapters 12, 13, and 14 about the value and the use of of spiritual gifts. Here's what he says, starting in verse 2. He says, You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. It seems that in the Corinthian church, on the one hand, some people had a lack of understanding about the spiritual gifts, what they are and how they work. But on the other hand, there were also people who were apprehensive about opening themselves up to the gifts 
of the Holy Spirit. With their background in paganism, some of the Christians in Corinth were afraid that maybe if they opened themselves up to the Holy Spirit, who knows what might happen, right? They might, they might have, lose control of themselves or end up in like some kind of trance where they don't have control. And then they might do terrible things uh, under the control of the Holy Spirit. They might even curse Jesus. And Paul says, no, no, no. That's not how this works at all, right? The Holy Spirit is God. So the Holy Spirit will never lead you to curse Jesus. Rather, the work of the Holy Spirit will always be to lead you to Jesus and to glorify Jesus. Now, I would say that these two areas where the Corinthian Christians struggled in regard to spiritual gifts, they are the same areas where many people today struggle in regard to spiritual gifts. On the one hand, some people lack understanding when it comes to these things. And on the other hand, some people are apprehensive when it comes to this topic. And so Paul is going to show us how God's design for these things is exceedingly good and beautiful when it's put into practice in the right way. He goes on to say this, verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Something we've seen throughout this letter is that the Corinthian church was plagued by divisions. And the reason, a big reason for that is because there was a real spirit of competition and a spirit of rivalry amongst the Christians there in Corinth. Many of them wanted to prove that they were more spiritual than others, right? They wanted to one-up each other and prove that they were more spiritual than others. And so when it came to spiritual gifts, this was something they did even in regard to spiritual gifts, right? They, they considered certain gifts to be better or more valuable or greater than other gifts, right? Those especially which were prominent and more visible. And they would act as if those who had those gifts, right, were superior to others, right? As if they were creating classes of people, right? They were the gifted ones and other people were not, uh, and some of them were even using, as we're going to see, they were using their spiritual gifts to kind of show off, right? To draw attention to themselves. Particularly in chapters 13 and 14, it becomes clear that people who had the gift of speaking in tongues, which we're going to talk about more in just a minute, but some people had this gift of speaking in tongues. They would stand up in the middle of the church service and interrupt what was going on and start speaking out loud in tongues as a way to kind of show off and, and try to impress others with this spiritual gift that they had. But what Paul wants us to know is that there's a wide variety of gifts, and God gives these different gifts, not ever for self-aggrandizing purposes, but always for the common good, to serve God and to serve others. I like to put it this way. It's kind of like the steam in a steam engine. Right? The purpose of the steam in the steam engine is not to toot the horn. The purpose of the steam in the steam engine is to move the train down the tracks to its destination. But see, here's the deal. In Corinth, many of the people were using their spiritual gifts to toot their own horn rather than to move forward the mission of God. In other words, here's what you need to know. Having a spiritual gift, no matter what that gift is, is not the mark of spiritual maturity. Are you looking for a resource to help you answer some of the most difficult questions about God in the Bible? Then we've got good news for you. Pastor Nick has written a book called The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity. 
In this book, Pastor Nick deals directly with some of the biggest questions people struggle with, such as how a loving God can allow innocent people to suffer, whether God condoned genocide in the Old Testament, or whether the Bible encourages the suppression of women and minorities. Does the Bible really say that some kinds of love are wrong? And is there any actual proof that God exists or that the Bible is trustworthy? Pastor Nick addresses these topics and more in this book, which is a great resource for anyone who wrestles with doubts or has concerns about these topics. And it is a great resource for those who want to help others who have questions about these topics. So to purchase this book, search for The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Christianity, wherever books are sold, or visit nickkady.org. To celebrate the release of this book, we are offering a free copy of the book as our gift to any of our listeners who make a donation of any amount to support Be Set Free Radio at besetfreeradio.com. And now, back to today's message. Having a spiritual gift is not the sign of spiritual maturity. The mark of being spiritually mature is what you do with the gifts God has given you. Notice what Paul says in verse 7. He says, To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now that answers one question for us, right? The question is, who has spiritual gifts? And Paul makes it clear. Each one. Every Christian has some kind of spiritual gifting. If you are a Christian, God has given you or will give you a manifestation of the Holy Spirit for you to use to benefit others. In other words, there is no believer, there's no disciple of Jesus who does not have a role to play and a function to perform in God's work and in the church. But here's what's really interesting. And I think this is really important for you to understand. So hang with me and let me explain this to you. In verses 4 through 6, Paul points us to the Trinity as the basis for understanding the differences in gifts and callings and ministries within the church. Notice this. He's going to point to the Trinity to help us understand how gifts and callings and ministries work in the church, especially the difference in gifts. Notice in verse 4, he says, there's a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Then he says in verse 5, there's varieties of service, but the same Lord. That's a reference to Jesus. And then in verse 6, he says, there are varieties of activities, but the same God. So here we have the Spirit mentioned. We have the Son mentioned. We have the Father mentioned in these three verses explaining the variety of spiritual gifts. Now here's why this is important. And we talked about this a little bit last week about this Trinitarian understanding of who God is and how that helps us understand. Last week we talked about how it helps us understand marriage. But today it helps us understand how it works as we function in the church as the body of Christ, as the people of God. And here's how, right? This, the doctrine of the Trinity, as we're taught in the Bible, is this. There is one God who eternally exists in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. They are all equally God, and yet they are distinct and unique, right? So the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Holy Spirit is not the Son, nor the Father, and in the Trinity, the three persons, even though they are all equally God, they have different roles that they play in God's work in the world. So, for example, we're told that the Father sent the Son into the world on a mission to save us through his actions. The Son submitted to the Father and obeyed the Father. And together, the Father and the Son then sent the Spirit 
for example, the, the Father adopts us. The Son intercedes for us and advocates for us. The Spirit indwells us and seals us and empowers us and works in us to transform us. The Spirit glorifies the Son. The Son glorifies the Father. The Father exalts the Son. You see, in other words, the very nature of God as three co-equal persons who have different roles and yet they are united as one God. That, Paul tells us, is the foundation for understanding the diversity of gifts and callings and ministries amongst us as believers in the church. Think about it like this. Just as the Father and the Son and the Spirit are equal and united, but they have different roles, and they carry out those roles without any sense of jealousy or rivalry, but seeking to honor one another and exalt each other. In the same way, we as Christians, as, as children of God, are equal, and we are united, and we are to embrace our various roles and gifts and callings without jealousy or rivalry or resentment, but as ways that we can serve God and serve each other. So Paul wants us to understand that not everybody has the same gift, and this is by design. This diversity is given by God, and it's good. And that brings us to the second part of our sentence that we've been looking at. The way we serve God and others is by using the gifts God gives us. So now in verses 8 through 10, Paul gives us a list of nine spiritual gifts. And then if you go down to verse 28 in the same chapter, Paul gives us two more in this list. Now, I'll say this. This is not meant to be an exhaustive list of every spiritual gift that exists out there. And we know that because there are other passages in the Bible, in the New Testament, where we are told about other gifts. So, for example, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4 all talk about spiritual gifts. It says in verse 8, as we get into looking at what these gifts are that are listed, for to one is given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So the first one that's mentioned here, and we're just going to go through these one by one. The first one that's mentioned is the word of wisdom or the utterance of wisdom. Now, what is this? It is a special endowment of wisdom from God for a particular moment or situation or problem, right? So this is beyond the general wisdom that God gives people. This is wisdom that is needed in a moment, and it's a special endowment of God for that wisdom. So you, you might find yourself sometimes in a position where you say, I don't know what to do. I need wisdom or what to do in this situation. Or maybe other people ask you for advice about what they should do, and you need wisdom from God. That's what this gift is for, a special endowment of wisdom for a particular situation. The next one we have, the word of knowledge or utterance of knowledge. Now, this is the ability to know something that you couldn't have possibly known except the Holy Spirit revealed it to you. An example of this is found in Acts chapter 5, where people come to the apostles, and, and they say, hey, we sold this land, and here's all the money. And the apostles look at them and say, you're lying. Well, how could they have known that? The Holy Spirit revealed it to them. It was a word of knowledge. And sometimes there are times when you need that gift of the Holy Spirit in the situation you're facing. Well, in verse 9, going on, the first gift that's mentioned there in verse 9 is the gift of faith. 
Now, this is a gift of faith. It's a God-given ability to trust God beyond just general faith in Jesus. This is trusting God in situations where you need to take a big step of faith. It's an extra measure of faith for those situations when you need it. I like this definition of faith. Faith means trusting God enough to do what he says. That's what faith is, trusting God enough to do what he says. And the gift of faith, it's an extra measure of faith that God gives you in a particular situation where you need more faith than you normally possess. The next gift in this list is the gift of healing, or it's called gifts of healing. Now, this is the ability to see people healed by God as you pray for them. And this is similar to the next gift, which is mentioned in verse 10, the first one in verse 10, which is the working of miracles. Now, you know, something that people often ask is this. They'll say, hey, if there are people out there who have the gift of healing or they have the gift of working miracles, then why don't they just do us all a favor and go down to the hospital and kind of clean out the ER, just get them all out of there, heal everybody. Like, why don't we just employ these people to work on, like, ambulances or something, right? If you have a gift of healing, why don't you go heal some people? If you have the gift of working miracles, then why don't you go fix some stuff? I mean, somebody who has the gift of teaching, they can just teach whenever they want. Somebody who has the gift of administration, they can administer at will whenever they want to administer. So why can't someone who has the gift of healing just go and heal anybody anytime? Why, why can't somebody who has the gift of working miracles go and, and just work miracles whenever they want? The reason is actually found in the text, I'm going to show you. And here's, here's what it comes down to, that some of these gifts are given occasionally, whereas others are given in a way that is more permanent and constant. Come back with me to verses 4 through 6. Verses 4 through 6 are really important in this chapter. And, and here's why. In this section, Paul actually breaks down the gifts into two categories of gifts. Here's what he says in verse 4. He says, there are varieties of gifts. And then he says in verse 5, there are varieties of service. And then he says there are varieties of activities. So all of these are gifts, but some of the gifts fall into the categories of service, and some fall into the category of activities. So everything is a gift in this list, but some gifts are related to services, right? Services speaks of standing offices or positions in the church, right? So you have teachers in the church, and there's a gift that corresponds to that, that office, that service, and so they need the gift of teaching in order to carry out that service or ministry. Whereas other gifts, Paul calls them activities. Now that word that's used there is actually the word energamata, which, which is the word from which we get like the word energy. It has that idea, but it's used elsewhere in the Bible to speak of God's special miraculous working, special miraculous power by which God does miraculous events. And so what that refers to, he says that some gifts are, you know, constant, but others are related to activities, which means they are occasional. They're not constant. They happen sometimes in a particular time, in a particular place, a miraculous event. So some are constant and some are occasional by nature. 
Now, what that means is you may not have the gift of healing that you can just like tap into anytime you want at will, but there may be occasions, there will be occasions when God gives someone this gift in a particular situation in order to do something extraordinary to help someone and to bring glory to his name. You know, I'm just thinking about myself, and I can tell you this, that as a pastor, I've prayed for a lot of sick people over the years, and, and some of them have gotten better, and some of them have not. But I, I will tell you that there were two occasions that I can remember in particular where I prayed for somebody, and I actually saw something take place that was miraculous. And the, one of those occasions, I got to tell you, I was really surprised myself because, to be honest, I prayed a half-hearted prayer, and I did not have very, I had no expectation that anything was going to happen. It's kind of a formality, right, on my part. Uh, yeah, I'll pray for you, sure. And then God healed that person. I was like, whoa. God gives these gifts sometimes on special occasions when he wants to do something great. But, of course, that takes our our part in that too as well. So the next one is the gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy. So the spiritual gift of prophecy is one that we should understand. It's not so much about predicting the future. Sometimes when we hear prophecy, we, we immediately think of predicting the future. But in the New Testament, the gift of prophecy isn't so much about predicting the future as it is communicating a message from God to people in a particular situation, right? A timely message from God's heart for people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, Paul tells us that the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road, and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com. 